trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowments. I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto going to be um, turning, if you want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, is where we're going to look, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, that'll be the first place that we'll turn to. Um, I'm just going to kind of jump in here and give you a topic rather than a, a passage of scripture tonight. So um, uh, I'll pray and we'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love to us. Lord, I, I thank you. Father, for another opportunity to stand behind this pulpit. Lord, I thank you for this people that have been so good to us and so kind. And, and Lord, just a wonderful spirit in this church. And Father, I pray that you would, you would bless and that others might come. And Lord, we'll continue to pray you, the Lord of the harvest, you'll send forth laborers. And Father, we'll ask you to please help us to reach this area, this community. Lord, there's a, a, a lot of hurting, suffering, struggling people. There's children that are struggling to, to see a purpose in life. There, there are husbands and wives that are struggling to, to even comprehend that there's a possibility of, of the survival of their marriage. There's people that are just seeking for answers. And, and Lord, I, I believe that the answers are in your book and the answers in this place, but Lord, 
somehow you've got to draw them and, and, and the only tool that you have is us. I know your spirit can convict and, and touch the hearts, but Lord, we've, we are your tools. We're your workers. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless us and help us to have wisdom and strength. And now, Holy Spirit, I ask you please to fall down upon me tonight and use me that I might be a blessing and help to someone. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to speak tonight on the, it was a survey done. It was called the top 10 issues facing marriage and the family today. And I, uh, I periodically do just do some research and, you know, go and I'll look for things like this. But uh, uh, this one I gave a little bit more credence to because they, they stated exactly how many people they had surveyed. They did 2,000 people from around the country were part of this, this project, this survey. And so they came up with their top 10 issues from these 2,000 people facing the family today. And, and so I'm going to read the results to you, and then we'll, uh, we'll just kind of discuss it a little bit. But it said the number one issue facing the family today is the anti-Christian culture. The anti-Christian culture. Uh, Joel just alluded to it a moment ago, but, but what I really hear from millennials is that I, that I need to be culturally relevant that I need to somehow fit the culture. And I say to them, if you mean I need to understand the culture, that I need to understand it, and understand those things which are not, uh, which are not unscriptural and don't make issue over it, and I need to understand the things that are unscriptural and take a stand against it, then, then okay, I, I think I need to be, I need to be culturally rele relevant. But if you mean that by being culturally, culturally relevant, that I need to understand who you are and become who you are so that I can appeal to you, so that I can reach to you, well, where am I taking you then? What am I doing for you then? I, I, I almost want to laugh at them. Anybody remember the 70s culture? Okay, and they say, well, you just don't understand. I want to look at them like, oh, look, dude, I didn't always have this bald head. Okay, I didn't always dress like this, and I didn't always act this way. And, and you know, there was a culture out there that I came from. Can I can't tell you the people that changed my life didn't bring me from that culture to that same culture. I'll be honest with you, I didn't need that. Why would I need to do something? My common sense said, I don't need that. You're not offering me anything. And there were those groups that did that, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't put much into them. I listened to them. You know, they played their guitars nice, and they did this stuff. And, and uh, you know, and, and they had the Christian radio, and they had the different things going on out there. But I just, you're not offering me anything. I still believe with all my heart that, that even in the culture that we're in, here's the great thing that the young people, of the millennials still are seeking for. They're still seeking for truth. They're still seeking for somebody that truly believes truth. Can I tell you, they, they, I don't believe that, that they really want to be someplace that's wanting to use them to build their work. Be honest with you. I don't think they want to be a part of that. They'd rather just go be entertained. 
But I do believe that a church like ours, if we will keep always in front of us that this church is not here so that it will build, so that we can build the church, the church is here so it can be used to build people and then change lives and make a difference in lives. And, and, and we, you've got to, if you're going to lead people, you've got to be going somewhere. If you've got to lead people, you've got to be doing something different than they're doing. Are you okay? A little bit more alive tonight than you were this morning. But the anti-Christian culture, number two, and, this, and we'll talk about this in a second, but here's, here's the, uh, the top issue, the second top issue that's facing the American family today, divorce. And we're talking about Christian families. The top ten issues facing the American Christian family. Now, we'll address this in a second. Number three, right behind divorce is busyness. They said that was number three. That's what's hurting our families and our marriages, busyness. Well, I think there's something about that, you know, we'll be running to and fro toward the end time. And we pretty much do run the roads like crazy. You know, I mean, you know, it used to be that you get a, get a car and, and you put, you know, the insurance, or you think you may put 10,000 miles on it a year. Are you going to drive that much? You know, and... I, t- I put 10,000 miles on it in about two months, you know. So, uh, number four, though. Number four is the absence of a father figure. Not much to you said. I'm going to say more about these in just a second. But the number five is the lack of discipline. The lack of discipline. Uh, <clears throat> I said, um, my daughter wrote the other day, and she just, you know, they got this, anybody know what WhatsApp is? You know, I know what's up, man. But I, this is WhatsApp. And so WhatsApp, uh, they got the, um, I don't know, our, our girls can just communicate. I mean, within like a 15-minute span of time, they'll have like 700 correspondences between them. You know I mean? It's like, bam, 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 bam. They're just talking. They might as well be together. I'm not sure they get anything done at home, but, but they're, they're com- conversing there. And so uh, one of them wrote and said, uh, uh, she was asking about, and all of a sudden I just lost the verse, um, provoke not your children to wrath. She said, what does it really mean to provoke not your children to wrath? Well, it, you know, I wrote her back, and, and because, um, you know, one of my sons-in-law said, you know, provoke means this and this, and, you know, and basically kind of the implication was is that, uh, that really a lot of times it's too much discipline, too harsh a discipline will provoke our children to wrath. I wrote back, and, 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 you know, I took a little while, and I wrote back, and I said, you know, truthfully, I think you have to look at the whole verse. Because it says, provoke not your children to wrath. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but to rear them in the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If you look up nurture and, you know, how do you provoke your children to wrath? By not rearing them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What is the nurture and admonition of the Lord? If you'll look up those words, you know what you'll find out? Both of those are words of character, training, discipline. Watch this. The real way we provoke our children to wrath is when we don't have good, loving discipline. And I'm not just talking about physical corporal punishment. I'm talking about when you, when I, I, what I'm talking about is the fact that, that we have actual character training. 
You know, it's a big difference between disciplining a child and training a child. You know, my, my wife and I, we give this illustration a lot of times when we do the, the conferences, but, but when we're, the girls were real little, she would take them, and, uh, and she was really good at this, but she would take them, and she was trying to get them to learn to obey, stop, and go. You know, just, just simple things. Just, but when we say stop, it's complete, immediate, total. And she would do that. She would just, you know, and just hour after, you know, she's saying, you know, go, and they go. But when she says stop, if you took another step, then, then you lose. You know, you got to go back and start over because you got to stop. And it's probably you know, a story, and again, one of these things that I'm going to you know, tell over and over. But the fact is, is that um, after a certain period of time of that, you see, that's, that is training a child. But it's training the child in the character to obey immediately and completely. Why is it so important? Well, at church, when we walked out of church one day, uh, you know, it's a busy road out there, and cars were parked all along the side, and Joe Beth had a baby on each hip and, and a little, you know, two, three-year-old. I don't know how, how old Ashley was, but she wasn't big enough, but she could run. And, and Ashley's holding on to her dress, which she's always supposed to, but Ashley turned the loose of her dress and took off between the cars. She's going to go to our car in the parking lot across the road. And when she took off, Joe Beth screamed, stop, and Ashley locked up in a car going about 60 miles an hour, came within six inches a foot of her. I mean, the fear, the chills that ran through us, but our little girl would be dead if she had not been trained immediate and complete obedience. Now, what makes, I did a survey at the, the college one time of the college students and because this movement was coming in that, you know, the, the kids are all upset because too many rules. They're too harsh of rules and too, you know, all, that, all it is about rules. So here's what I did. I did a survey to find out what angers you the most about the college. Number one answer out of about 1,000 college students, you know what it was? Number one answer, inconsistent discipline. I mean, I started interviewing, now wait a minute, time out, what's the deal? And they're like, look, just tell us what the rules are and stick with them. That's the kids telling us that. It's not harsh, it's protective, it's consistent. So, boy, I'm getting way ahead of myself. I was just supposed to read these right now. Now, uh, number six was financial pressures. We're all in trouble, aren't we? Financial pressures. Number seven was lack of communication. Number eight was negative media influences. Number nine was the balance of work and family. And number 10 was materialism. And again, this is what's hurting, you know, we, people say, and it's the secular statistics, that's the mentality of our, of our millennials is very materialistic very, um, you know, it's got to be now, and i got to have it now. But here's my question, I guess. What do you think of that list? Now, when I read it, there were some questions came in my head, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. What does it mean for anti-Christian culture to be the number one issue facing today's family? 
And truthfully, what you could do, you could take number eight, which number eight was negative media influences. Basically, we're saying the same thing. We're just saying it a few points later. So you got, you got the anti-Christian culture and you got the negative media influences. But, I mean, really, when I say that, here's what I'm, am I really saying, when the people, these 2,000 people, if you really think about what you're saying, you're saying that the culture and the world and the media is destroying your family. Think about what we're saying there. Is it really the media's fault that our family and our marriages are failing? Forgive me, as soon as I read that, I said, folks, that's a cop-out. That's the blame game. Now, am I discouraged about the media? Yeah. Am I discouraged about the culture that we live in and the, and the digression of our culture? Yes. But, folks, that's not why you lose your family. Truthfully, is it not rather a lack of character, a lack of desire for the truth, our disobedience to the Word of God, or our lack of belief in the Word of God? The real problem, listen, here's what I mean. The environment does not determine your family, you do. Hello? Please get it. I'm going to wake you up tonight if I have to. Come on! 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And, I, and what she says, he said, I will receive you, and, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Watch this now. The culture is bad. Understand it. Come out from among them. Be you separate. Touch not the unclean thing. They don't, I don't have to let them in my home. At least not yet, I don't have to. Psalm 101, verse 3 says this, and it's an old verse that used to be preached a lot, but it says this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. What I'm trying to tell you is that scripturally, God has a solution for us, but we gotta, we got to quit blaming other people. we got to look inside of us. we got to determine what we're going to do in our home and how we're going to live and what we're going to allow. Uh, we can't say, well, man, the culture is just so bad. Well, uh, well help me now. Am I, look, don't send your kids into that culture. I don't mean they can't go in there at all. I mean, they're going to go shopping. They're going to go to things, but forgive me, they don't have to be educated by them. They don't have to live with them. They don't have to do all that they do. And you say, well, you know, man, I, you know, and again, this is kind of a millennial complaint. Well, we, we were kept from doing so many things. This drives me nuts, but I want to look at them, and I do periodically. But look, how did you become so wonderful if everything we did was so bad? You want to think about that just for a minute? How did you become so incredible? So wise, so intelligent, so biblical. When you were reared by such stupid people. You think about it? No, it might have protected them. Because you don't, you don't have to have everything. 
You know, truthfully, having everything really is not good. I've given this illustration a lot. You know, my, my dad, my, my, my dad's brother, my cousins had everything. I said to him one time, I said, man, how come they're so rich and they got everything? Now, I can't tell you the exact response he had to me, but, but um, I'll try to rephrase it in a, in, in a, in a church sort of way. <laughs> but he looked at me and he said, son, you're stupid. And I said, okay, I've heard that at least once or twice before. Uh, he said, son, they don't, they, don't, they don't have more things. They, they, they're not more wealthy. They don't have more wealth. They got more bills. And the truth was it probably did, probably had more bills. But he looked at me and he said, we got what they don't have. And I'm thinking, yeah, What? You know, because they got motorcycles, they got cars, they got trampoline, they got swimming pool, they got, you know, they got, they got, they got, they got, they got, and, and I got to go take the feed down to that cow. <laughs> but he reminded me that we had, we, we ate really good. And the truth was, we did eat really good. But he told me, he said, son, we have love. Now, I don't know I fully comprehended it then, but the truth is, is that my mom and dad made a difference in our lives, and they didn't give us everything. I, they helped us by not giving us everything. All right, I'm taking too long on this, but the simple truth is we can go to Scripture, and the Scripture tells us, look, okay, so the world's wicked out there? Don't look at it. So it's ungodly out there. So it's, so guess what? So the media is ungodly and wicked, so don't watch it. That's a simple solution. Turn it off. Get rid of it. I know that's extreme. It's extreme. But I'm just saying, I'm, not ta- I'm telling you, if you can't control it, then get rid of it. My wife, t- I, you know, I, we're, we're on a diet right now, amen? And so, but, you know, I, I do this often, and she knows this my whole life. If ever I feel like I'm, I'm gaining weight or, you know, it's been a tough road with this last three years or so with this all I've been through, but, but when I start to get there, I'll just, I'll just quit eating. I'll just, you know, I just kind of stop because, you know what, I'm not going to have it control. She'll say, you always leave food on your plate. Well, you know why I do that? I do it intentionally. You always leave at least one bite on your plate. You know what? I don't want the food to control me. I want to control it. And listen, I don't want the media to control me. I want to control it. And so it's, it's not, it is not destroying us. Our lack of biblical understanding and biblical character is what destroys. Okay, what does it mean uh, for divorce to be number two? Uh, that is insane. Is divorce an issue? Marriages face, uh, you know, that is destroying marriage, or is it a result of a di- deeper underlying problem that needs to be addressed, the root cause? No, re- uh, uh, um, divorce is the ultimate result. Again, is the real issue not our submission to the truth of God's word and to the truth that is in fact God's word uh, or lack thereof? Did we, we submit 
is the real issue that we just do not submit to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 says, uh, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things. Notice that? Bear, all things. How many things did it say? All things, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. And God goes on to say, he said, prophecy shall fail and tongues shall cease, but charity will never fail. And you know what charity is? It's love in action. And if we keep love in action in our homes, just when God said, we don't get divorced. Matthew 19, 4 through 6 says, And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. They shall, a twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. It's just a command of God. God said, Look, you came together, you're supposed to be together. Now, I say this every time, and I, and I gotta keep saying it. But we got we've got a young, we've got seventeen young adults going to well, fifteen young adults, and me and Joe Beth going to this ball game. We've got a bunch of young adults. Truthfully, they weren't in here. There are some new faces, and some new young adults are in here. Folks, listen to me. If you're older adults and, and you've got uh, stuff in your past, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the young adults. I'm trying to protect them from making the mistakes we have made. And are our marriages failing because we're just too busy? And I, believe, I put three and nine together. It's too busy or struggle to balance work and family. I think that's the same thing. Too busy, struggling to balance work and family. Is it, again, is it not our priorities of life, our desire for success, our, our selfishness? It really comes down to, and watch this, you know, I'm going to just throw, we're going to have the split session Wednesday night, but I'm going to throw this out to the men already. Fellas, get this, please get this, please get this, please get this. Uh, you know, we heard it from our president recently all about his legacy. Uh, let me tell you, my, your legacy ought to be whether you have a family that keeps serving God. And you know how you can do that? Forget what you, how great you become. Forget how important you become. Forget how successful you become in anything that, but being a, a Christian, a husband, and a father. And that'll pretty much take care of everything. It's not how great you become. It's not how powerful you become, how much you acquire, how, how big of a business you create, how all these things. And look, if God blesses you with business I, and God blesses you financially, I'm, I'm thrilled because I'm hoping somewhere along the way he'll impress your heart to give it to me. But, the, but listen, that's not what it's all about. You've got to look and say, I'm going to make some sacrifices. We, it's a simple thing. Busyness, it's not like it's a creature that attacked us. It's a decision we made. And we got to choose not to do it. You know, the world is, and, and, and can I tell you, you've really got to choose. Because the world we live in, you can have something going on all the time. 
It really is. It's a crazy world. It's just it's something can be grabbing at you all the time. And folks, well, I'm not there yet. I'll get there. All right. Number next is financial pressures. Well, that one's a joke. Financial pressures. Do you, you, do you know anybody that's not under financial pressure? I mean, I really, I want to know them. They're, they're great people to get to know. Financial pressures. Every, I mean, do we know anybody that's got all the money they need? And can I tell you, those people that have all the money they need, they're under more pressure than we are because they're so worried about losing it. Do you understand? I'm not worried about losing it. I ain't got it. You know what I mean? Why should I worry? You know, somebody look at, man, I'll take all you got. Really? You want it now? Because you can probably carry it home in your pocket. You know, it's, we've got to refocus our thinking, and our priority has to be on God. And if our priority is on God, watch this, then our priority will be on our family. Hello? Because it, yes, I've got to provide for them, but, but, but watch this. I know if I don't provide that for them, I'm worse than an infidel. But listen, provision is more than financial provision. So, who needed a survey to know we have financial pressures? Only a complete idiot. But God says, listen, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, uh, 25 through 33. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought of your, for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body uh, than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And you know what God's saying? He's saying, look, you, you worry, you go, you do, trying to build, build, build. And the truth is, what God, I think, is trying to say to us, he says, I determine how big you are. So what are you fighting so to... To make yourself big. He says, why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall you eat? What shall you drink? Or whether whither shall you be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. What he's saying is all these things. The law, that's the way the lost people act. We don't, that shouldn't be in a Christian survey. That shouldn't be the issue. The issue should not be there. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And watch this. We say it. We quote it. But boy, can we live it? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things he just talked about shall be added unto you. I can't even imagine what all God has done for us in our lives and the way he's provided for us and done for us. And it's never been because I made enough or I went out and I got into this and that. And forgive me, I'm thrilled if you do. Really, but that God said to me, here's what I want you to do. And watch this. 
God gave me six kids. And do you know, you got to, you got to spend more time with six kids than you do with two. I don't know if anybody's figured that out yet. Number seven is lack of communication. Again, don't really need a survey for that because in every book, everywhere, secular, Christian, and here's the sad thing. It's sad when, when we as Christians, we have the same issues as the world does. And it says lack of communication. This is what every marriage faces, Christian or non-Christian. If the Bible, the church, and Christian principles are really a vital part of both of our lives, then we should have more to talk about than the world's couples living in his and her worlds. Think about what I just said. The world, the reason they have so much lack of, because they live in his and her worlds. They're going here, she's going there, he's doing this, I'm going out with the dudes, he's go, she's going out with the girls, I'm, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm going here, this is just what I like, she doesn't like this, she does her thing, I do my thing. That's not the way God told us to live. And that's not the way we're supposed to live. And so we ought to have more things to, to discuss, more things in common, more things to talk about because we, we, we are unified. We you know, I say this, Bell is here. I can be away from Jimmy McCullough for 10 years, and I get back together with him, and the moment I get together with him, we talk nonstop for hours. You know why? Because we have a lot in common. What do we have in common? It's not sports, because the boy can't play a lick of sports. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is other than the fact that we both won't to serve God. We both love the Lord and want to serve God. So it just, just, we have a lot of commonality. Communication is the basis for all relationships. That's between God and man, Christ and his bride, man and woman, father and child. Communication is the key to every relationship. And so we've got to understand the, how vital it is. Number next was the absent father figure. That's number four. And I'm going to say number four and number five, I think, also join together. The absent father figure and lack of discipline. Those two things are tied together. Now, I know we've got some mamas that, that, can, that can knock them down, okay? I understand we have that, but, but God created this thing called marriage and the family, and he, he created it just the way he wanted it, and he created dad there for that consistency of discipline. And he needs to be that. And our, and our world, and again, we're talking about the world. We know that's what the issue is in the world. Because if you had some daddies that were yanking a knot in some heads, if you had some daddies that were training their boys as they were coming up, they wouldn't be running the streets. And you wouldn't have to, it wouldn't be national news when one mama finally goes grab one of them by the ear or makes them hold a sign and says, I'm a stinking thief. Okay, it makes national news. Well, can, can I tell you? It, doesn't, it, it shouldn't be that way because daddy should be there. You say, well, what's the importance of daddy? I mean, uh, you know, mama can take care of that. Let, let me help you. Y'all don't remember? You don't remember mom saying, I'm going to tell your daddy? Nobody else remembers that. Listen, when, when I knew that I was going to be in trouble when Dad got home, hearing his truck come down the road was like the tribulation period. 
It's like the trumpet just sounded. And I'm thinking, I'm not even saved, but oh, Lord Jesus, take me home. <laughs> because he's about to come home, and, and it's not going to be a good thing. And you say, did he just whip you every day? No, the truth is, he didn't. He whipped me about once every seven years. That's how long it lasted. Took me six years to recover. <laughs> but I'm telling you, he let me know we're not going to act this way. At the table, you don't mouth off to mama. At the table, you don't act a fool. In the, you don't anywhere. You don't do that. And you know who does that? Daddy. Daddy. And now watch this now. It says the absence of the father figure. So when the father's absent, we, we're way declining discipline because what? Mama, if she's going to rear them alone, how's she going to rear them except she's got to go work? So now we have nobody. I tell you who's rearing the kids today. Grandparents. Grandparents are rearing the kids today, and maybe that's actually a little bit of a hope for some of them because some grandparents still understand there ought to be a little bit of discipline. It's a terrible thing. Now watch this. You say, okay, you're talking to Christians now. You're just talking about the kind of way the world is. All right, now listen to me. Here's the, the error that we make, and this is why it's on the list for Christians. Because we may be together, but we're still absent. We're, we've given up. We've said, I don't want to argue anymore, so we just set the table with the newspaper up while World War III is going on. You know why? Because I'm not, I'm not going to fight with them anymore. And I just say this, dads, the moment you give up standing and being present in your home, you just threw your child's life away. They've got to be more important than that. But we, we will be Christian homes. We may be present in the home, but we're not present in the rearing of the children. We're not present in the correction and the discipline. We're not present in the training of them. We're not there. And again, it goes back to so many things and other things in this thing. But, fellas, we can't get caught up in, a, in all the things we want to achieve, forgetting that this little guy's got to learn. He's got to. I mean, Chase is, he's already ready to put the gloves on. I mean, Mama is going to have terror if you're not there. Yeah. He told me today, I said, why is Chase crying? He said, he just grabbed, he got mad. He said, he just grabbed hold to me and just started shaking me. <laughs> Chase said, so I just grabbed him. <laughs> now, the fact is, is that you got to be present. And here's what we'll do, though. They're young, it'll be okay. They're young, it'll be okay. They're young, it'll be okay. Listen to me. This, it's when they're young, it's when you're training. If you don't train them right when they're young, when they get older, when you think, oh, now I got to invest in them, man, you, you, now you're in survival range. I mean, you're just... 
you, you're going to be beat to death. If you've got them trained right before they get there, then you're okay. So, are you all okay? Going long again, and I didn't mean to do that. Okay. The root cause of all these things, the, the reasons vary why we do this, but we, uh, the father may be preoccupied with work, may be consumed with sports or hobbies, which effectively is being preoccupied with self. It may be that he has given up because of battling with his wife over his input and influence in the home. Hello? Those things happen in a Christian home. Man, I've seen it way too many times. That last one, he's just given up. The root cause always goes back to our relationship with God and the Word of God. Then materialism, which is a problem in many marriages and homes, but this is also really a problem understanding God's purpose and plans for our life because Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 simply says, no man can serve two masters. So we either serve God or we're serving things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one. Look at what God says, he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And, and when we're so caught up in the things, the things, the things, the things, again, it's incredible selfishness. And can I tell you, fellas, if that's where we are, ladies, if that's where we are, we never grew up. Because when you grow up, as the scripture says, you put away childish things and start saying, I've got to do for those that are coming behind me. We must understand that marriage and a family are targets of intentional, uh, intense spiritual warfare. For this reason, good intentions and superficial remedies are not good enough. People must once again be taught God's plan for marriage and the family. They must commit themselves to live out the teachings of the Word of God on the home, the family, marriage, decency, integrity, character, love, unselfishness, sacrifice, loyalty, forgiveness, holiness, righteousness. These are all in the Bible. And if, look, if we will study these things, learn these things, we don't have problems with all these issues because it's not the issues that are destroying us it's our lack of walk with God and obedience to his word once the one issue of our relationship to God and his word is cared for the other issues will have much less effect on us and fighting symptoms does not cure the disease the cure must attack the root cause now I'm gonna just give me a couple more minutes and I apologize but I know what we do is, especially we go to that, that very first one, and, and immediately we say, now, Brother Hooker, you don't understand. Even 30 years ago when you were starting to rear your kids, or 37 years ago when Brooke came along, the uh, world was different. Yes, it was. Culture was different. Yes, it was. And you don't understand what we're having to rear our children. And I, and I feel for you, and I hurt for you. But I want to give you this one example, and we'll be done. If you... Let the devil tell you you can't rear your children in this wicked world because of the terrible social influences. Then I've got one word for you. Noah. Noah. I would assume that the world was worse then than it is even now because we have not been destroyed yet. It got so bad then they destroyed it. But I want you to think about this now. Noah still served God. But wait. 
this one man, we must see that this one man was in a world seeking God and he found the grace of God. And if we will look at it and see what it takes to find the grace of God in a wicked world, we can find what Noah found. And Noah, it simply says, was a just man, which is righteous in conduct and character. It means a perfect man who is whole and complete and mature. He's balanced. And he walked with God. He had a personal relationship with God. That's what God says about Noah, those three things. And God says he found grace in the sight of God. Now, here's what's so wonderful about it. What makes Noah amazing is that he did not become what the world was. He didn't become culturally relevant in that term. He didn't become what the world was. And wasn't just better than the world. He was what God wanted him to be. Noah was complete in the Lord while in a world that was completely in darkness. Now, here again is the wonderful thing. Noah found grace inside the Lord But in a wicked world, Noah still walked with God and somehow found a woman that believed like he did. So it must be still possible to find the right kind of spouse. Noah didn't just find a spouse. He reared his children in the most wicked world that man has ever known because he, in the world that was destroyed, yet he reared his children for God. Not only that, he reared his children for God and they were able to find spouses. So it can't be the culture. It can't be the environment that's destroying us because this man in a much worse or maybe at least as as bad as we are coming to, he was in that and worse and he still served God. He had his wife with him serving God. He had his children reared and served God, all in an incredibly wicked environment. I say that tells us we have no excuse. There's no excuse. Thank you for allowing me to go along. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord, I 